Hello, and welcome to episode 35 of the Haiku Chronicle podcast. I'm Patricia, your host, and this week I'm looking at the haiku technique of riddles, which, if you remember from last week's episode, I was really looking forward to. I'll tell you how I got on in a few minutes. Then, as usual, we'll pay a visit to one of our haiku community. This week, a haiku poet from Indonesia. We'll be meeting Argus, who has written a tranquil haiku for us. So, riddles. Riddles are an ancient literary device, used in sagas, folk tales, stories, novels. I mean, just think, the biggest selling area of literature is crime fiction. And what is a crime thriller but a riddle? And of course, poetry uses it. And that includes our area of interest, the haiku. Let's enjoy a riddle haiku from the Japanese tradition, a poem by Arakida Moritake, who was writing in the period 1473 to 1549. A fallen blossom returning to the bough, I thought, but no, a butterfly. Or this one by Busson, who lived from 1716 to 1784. So beautiful after the late autumn storm. Red peppers. Now, as you know, I like a bit of structure to be able to compose haiku. When I was preparing for this podcast, I came across a very useful article by Stephen Addis about riddle haiku, in which he says that in a riddle haiku, the first two lines or segments set up a kind of question, usually indirect, so that it occurs in the reader's mind rather than explicitly in the poem. The final segment of the haiku then functions as an answer, preferably with a surprise that also seems just right. Listen to this poem by Lee Gerger. From House to Barn, The Milky Way. Or this one from Stephen himself. Morning mirror, the stranger becomes me. I don't know whether this feeling has hit you yet, but when I reached probably, I don't know, my forties, every time I looked in the mirror, it was a stranger looking back at me. And then the horrible realisation that it was actually me. Anyway, I think this methodology described by Stephen Addis is a simple one for beginners to create their riddle haiku. That's not to say that the haiku created in this way have to be simple. They can be superb haiku, as I hope I've illustrated. Now let's get a little bit more loose with our structure. Jane Reichold suggests that the trick is to state the riddle in as puzzling terms as possible. What can one say that the reader cannot figure out the answer? The thing to be careful with, as with any other technique, is not to create too wide a gap between the fragment and the phrase. As with all haiku, there has to be a relationship between the two, which, in this case, creates the puzzle, but also makes sense. I'll give you this example by Jane herself. Where did they go, these flowers on a path by summer's passing? Or this one by Lee Richmond. Before today... Where did he come from? Scarecrow. Or this one by Denise Coney, which puts into words something I've thought about quite a lot in terms of haiku. How I wish I'd written this. 
after the storm, I cannot find the snowman's eyes. If you've listened to the podcast before, you'll know that I often consult with Alan Summers on the topics that I'm covering. This week, I asked him for his thoughts on riddle haiku, and he took the topic to another level. Let me read you his haiku. Night of small colour, a part of the underworld, becomes one heron. And this is his explanation of his riddle haiku. Here we have a haiku that appears to be a riddle and alludes to the ancient Greek tale of the underworld as well. What is a night of small colour? How is it part of the underworld? And I'll add, what is the connection with the heron? The first two lines show how utterly dark this particular night is. Bereft of our accustomed light pollution, we see both how dark it is, with just the stars and maybe the moon to light our way, and how the night of small colour can create a single heron in our psyche. I think it'll be quite some time before I personally can write a riddle haiku of such simple complexity. So that begs the question, how did I get on this week with this topic? Well, to be very honest with you, I feared that I would be totally stumped and have nothing to offer you this week. I thought and I thought and I watched and I watched and nothing was coming to me. At the very last minute, I was inspired to write by a wildfire that I witnessed in the south of Spain last week. Night was falling and I saw the flames beginning to take hold of the vegetation. It was a windy night, the wind, as you would expect, coming off the sea and driving the fire a little bit further away from where I was, close to the beach. I watched as the flames grew higher and consumed what I thought was quite a large amount of land. Talking to other people, people who lived in the area, they told me that some years ago, a wildfire had consumed a huge amount of land between Malaga and Marbella. Indeed, one of the people I spoke to had photos of the fire, taken at night, the sort of night that Alan has just been describing in his haiku. The flames were truly terrifying, and yet the vegetation had regrown. And my question was, how? So I spent some time trying to express this as a riddle haiku. A miracle. After the wildfire, a green shoot. My next effort. A first shoot visible in the ash. How do you grow? And finally, the fire destroys all before it, and yet, a seedling. I'm still working on them, they're pretty raw. But I think maybe I've something, a seed of an idea, that might come to something in the future. So now let's head off to Indonesia and meet Agus, another scientist, this time a teacher of maths and physics, who writes from us from the rural city of Tangerang in Indonesia. Agus enjoys haiku because of its simplicity and the huge meaning behind the words. It's so natural, you don't have to try and find lovely words to write. Just write what you see, what you taste, what you hear, or what you smell in the daily words. And yet, he says, a good haiku hides a hidden message behind the words, makes us think to find out the connection between the two images. Sometimes, 
we need to contemplate to find out what lies behind the words. So let's hear from him. Almost midnight, only the koi and Chicada too. What does this make you think of? For me, it's a very still summer night, where the only sound is the koi coming up for breath in the pond, and the chirping of the cicadas. I find it a very calming piece of work. Thank you so much for ending the podcast with such a beautiful piece of work, Argus. I know we're going to hear more from you in the future, and I'm already looking forward to it. I'd also like to thank Alan for his help this week in putting together the podcast. I know he was very busy because he was judging the Senryu competition for Sonic Boom. Next week, we're going to change the format of the podcast. If you remember, I asked for haiku and senryu using the topic women. I'm delighted to say I've lots of wonderful haiku and senryu written by or written about women, which I'll be featuring next week. Some of you have written to me to find out why I've chosen this topic. Has it got some political or social agenda, you wanted to know? My answer is not really. It was inspired by some comments expressed by R.H. Blythe, which are of their time, but interesting to me as a lifelong feminist. Not a neo-feminist, there is a distinction, but don't get me started on that one. Anyhow, I'll tell you more next week. So until next week, thanks so much for joining me. I hope you've been inspired to try out some riddle haiku of your own. See you next week, and keep writing. You'll find links to the many works I've consulted on the website, poetryp.com. If there's something missing, you know you can just email me, and I'll get back to you. Thanks. Bye.